Welcome back to another episode of Quick Spin, the Auto Week podcast that gets the essence of the automobile. Today, we are talking about the 2023 Kia Sportage. That's right, the crossover from our friends over at Kia. You can take a look at this Kia Sportage on our Instagram page right now. That's at Auto Week USA. And hey, while you're out there, why don't you head over to our Facebook page, click that like button, that we get all the great Auto Week content sent directly to you. We're going to spend a ton of time talking about this Kia Sportage PHEV in just one second, but first we have to pay the bills. Do you have a car loving little one in your life? Give them Road and Track Cruise Big and Fast Cars. Loaded with 701 amazing car facts, this hardcover book is custom built for kids who love slick supercars, powerful monster trucks, and record smashing speed machines. The only thing your little one needs to drive Road and Track Cruise Big and Fast Cars is a license for fun. Road and Track Cruise Big and Fast Cars is on sale now at Amazon.com. And Tom, tell me about this 2023 Kia. Sportage. Kia's bestseller in 2022 here in the U.S. of A. was the Kia Sportage. Um, they sold uh, 125,000 Sportages in 22, and that was up from 94,000 in 2021. A little bit later, we'll talk a little bit more about the segment itself and how it does, uh, you know, how, how the the Sportage fits into its current segment. Um, but it, it moved up a segment. It, it started out um, in the small uh, crossover segment. And then as of 2021, when it was redesigned, and of course, the uh, dimensions stretched, uh, it went into the midsize CUV segment as tracked by um, Ford's intelligence. So um, yeah, they're they're doing well with the Sportage. And um, it's it, it certainly changed so much over the years. No, certainly. But Tom, you take us on a quick little walk around of this Kia Sportage, uh, which is almost turning 30, just a couple years away, 95 first mile a year. But we're going to go to that right now. This here is the 2023 Kia Sportage Plug-in Hybrid X-Line Prestige All-Wheel Drive. The uh, fifth generation Sportage launched in 2021. And I remember seeing the Kia Sportage when it first arrived in the U.S. in 1995. It was small. It was like a Geo Tracker. Uh, but the Sportage had more rounded surfaces, not quite so edgy. But both the Tracker and Sportage were body on frame at the time, so it probably felt pretty trucky. Uh, at that time, I recall the Sportage being cute and compact, just two rows of seats, but Kia was still a smallish brand in the U.S., so I think a lot of people probably didn't take the Sportage all that seriously. But there were good deals to be had on these small, economical imports. Today, the Sportage looks nothing like a little Econobox. The Sportage has grown up a lot in the same way that Kia and its parent company Hyundai have grown up in the last 25 years. Uh, so we have established that the Sportage is now a mature, grown-up two-row crossover in the meat of the U.S. market, which loves mid-sized utility vehicles. The interior also shows a great deal of maturity and, and refinement for the Sportage. This is a handsome interior, and this particular X-Line Prestige trim is truly upscale. I'd even call it a near-luxury interior. And part of that has to do with the $44,680 price for this vehicle out the door. The uh, user interface is pretty seamless. It'll be familiar if you've driven Hyundais or Kias before. The gauge cluster is in front of the driver. Um, it's all digital. It's a sizable 12.3 inches diagonally, and Kia calls it the Supervision Cluster. Kind of clever. Um, in this cluster, you can control lots of functions with, with switches on the steering wheel. That includes nav directions, infotainment, the trip computer, vehicle information, all of it there in the cluster. To the right of the steering wheel is the main uh, central touchscreen, and that screen is the same size, 12.3 inches. Uh, both the gauge cluster and this touchscreen appear behind one sheet of glass, which not long ago was something that you only saw in a Mercedes-Benz. Prices apparently have come down for this sort of technology. 
front seats are cooled and the steering wheel is heated, uh, which has been great during some brutal days recently here in uh, Detroit. This is a plug-in hybrid. Because of cold temperatures, in some cases well below 20 degrees, this Sportage plug-in hybrid took a long time to charge with a standard 120 volt socket. So let's start up the Sportage and take this for a spin, shall we? Tom, you're right. This thing has changed a lot in the past, you know, geez louise, almost 30 years. From body on frame to uh, eh, a less off-roady family hauler. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it is filling the role of so many vehicles in this midsize uh, crossover segment. I mean, if you looked at that segment, there's there's 30-some vehicles in there. And that is that is the meat of the market these days here in the U.S. That has replaced the, uh, you know, the midsize and even large sedan segment here in the U.S. as the uh, standard uh, family vehicle in the U.S. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting that that these two engines, um, you know, if, if you're buying just a standard, um, you know, internal combustion um, sportage, you're going to get this larger four-cylinder uh, naturally aspirated engine. But then if you get the, the hybrid or the plug-in hybrid, you get this smaller engine uh, with turbocharging, but also less horsepower. So, you know, they're making up for that, that uh, deficient uh, um, output by pairing up with electric motors. And uh, in that sense, the car moves pretty well. Yeah, they, I think eventually one day that's going to happen to me as well. I'll be paired up with electric motors to help me get along. Uh, that being <laughs> said, uh, let's, uh, let's give it the people what they want and let's hop in and go for a quick little ride. This is a 1.6 liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine. Um, used in a number of vehicles for Hyundai and for Kia. And um, think about it, this is a good size. This is, this is what used to be uh, kind of a family sedan years ago. And here, 1.6 liters, you would think, oh, that's way too small for a vehicle this size. But uh, displacements have been falling and will continue to fall. Steering in the uh, Sportage hybrid here uh, is it's fine. It feels a bit numb, uh, but very similar to what you'd experience in a lot of front-wheel drive cars of this size uh, with electric power steering. Most people would not find this objectionable in the least. Braking is very linear. You don't really notice a lot of um, grabbiness, uh, you know, when you let off on the gas. Uh, the Kia Sportage likes the more moderate temperatures here. Um, I have gotten this up to 38 miles per gallon, observed. I've been driving on the highway here on Metro Detroit, uh, and um, I've, I've, I was able to drive 80 miles an hour in all electric mode, and um, I think that's where this car is really at its best. It's, it's smooth, it accelerates smoothly. Um, I wouldn't say it accelerates like a rocket ship, uh, but there's there's certainly enough juice there. Um, I like the electric mode. Um, there, so there's electric and there's automatic mode. And I believe that when you're in automatic mode, the system's going to decide what's the most efficient mode for you to be driving in, whether it's gonna switch on the gas engine or not. Um, and if you have enough battery electric range um, still, then, the vehicle will generally default into electric mode if you're not real hard on the gas pedal, um, if, if you're cruising at steady state speed. So that's that's the difference. Um, I do notice though, when I switch into, into the HEV hybrid mode, 
um, I tend to get a little bit more of the um, the science project sound. Uh, the engine's a bit louder, and also when you let off on the gas, you get that uh, that kind of science project whirring sound. The woo, and um, so some people might hear that and they, geez, what's wrong with this? Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's not a bad powertrain. It, it apparently likes uh, warmer temperatures than colder temps, just like the rest of us. We're all about gifting experiences this holiday season rather than material objects. If you're looking for a once-in-a-lifetime trip for yourself or a car enthusiast in your life, you need to learn more about Road & Track experiences. Registration for Route to Vine, Road & Track's upcoming rally through beautiful Northern California in February, is coming to a close. But it's not too late to hit the road. They've also just launched an all-new adventure through Appalachia, Smoky 600. You'll rally through some of the most iconic roads in the country, including the Tale of the Dragon. Then you'll shift gears and tour R&T's favorite local distilleries, enjoy Southern cuisine at its finest, and so much more. Learn more at experiences.roadandtrack.com. And Tom, that is a, you know, hey, people are definitely going to drive this thing. Uh, again, we're probably not going to take this to the Nürburgring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You have to really think about... Um, how a plug-in hybrid fits into your own lifestyle. Uh, for a lot of people, 34 miles of range on a good day is not going to be enough to make a big difference. I mean, if you have a long commute to work and home, um, especially if you don't have the ability to charge at the office, um, and not everybody wants to plug their car in every single day that they drive the car. Um, to me, if, if you're driving a short distance, one, you know, every you know, every day or every other day, then you're okay to just bring the car home, park it in the garage, plug it in there, hopefully with a level two charger. If not, you can go straight into a wall socket. Um, and for some people, that that's good. You know, maybe you're um, picking up your kids at school each day, and that's that's the extent of the driving, or going to the grocery store, buying milk or something. Um, if, if you're not driving long distances, you might find that a plug-in hybrid uh, is perfectly well-suited for your lifestyle. And um, But in this case, the Kia Sportage is pretty expensive. I mean, the only way to get the plug-in hybrid uh, is at the top of the range. So uh, it's a lot more money than buying a standard Sportage. It's, it's even quite a bit more money than a standard Know, just the standard hybrid sportage so um it's it it all depends on where it fits into your own lifestyle and it's worth noting though tom like you mentioned a little earlier that it, that it might be the top but this plug-in 261 horse 258 pound feet also the most potent of the sportages so if you're like a, a, a not quite a performance enthusiast but you want the most of the most maybe that's that's where it fits in too but uh tom where does the sportage stack up in the land of the hotly contested mid-sized crossover game and uh you know what what, what are the sales breaks down what, what, what's going on in that market yeah yeah well you know, we're talking like two million vehicles a year just in this segment alone it's it, it's huge it's far and away the biggest uh, segment um in the u.s and the sportage falls pretty much right in the middle uh maybe upper middle of that of that grouping uh but the the sportage is outsold by number one Toyota RAV4. Okay, the RAV4 sold 400,000 units last year. That's a huge number. And then Kia sold 125,000 Sportages last year. Uh, and that was up from uh, 94,000 from the year before. But the other vehicles in this segment that are outselling the Sportage uh, besides the RAV4 are uh, 
the Chevy Equinox, the Ford Escape, the Honda CRV, the Hyundai Tucson, uh, which is on the same platform, of course, uh, the Subaru Outback, the Nissan Rogue, and surprisingly, the Mazda CX-5. Yeah, even the CX-5 outsells the Sportage. But think of all the other vehicles that are included in the in the list that the Sportage is outselling. Um, the Subaru Forester. You know, you're also including the Ford Edge. You're including uh, the Mitsubishi Outlander. You're including Volkswagen Tiguan, and just a just a raft of vehicles out there that the Sportage is outselling pretty handily. And it, it, it has very modern styling, uh, you know, a very nice interior. So it's it's got a lot of things going for it. Maybe people are buying a lot of these things, which makes sense why yep. there's so many entering the market. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, as I mentioned, kind of at the beginning, the, the, the way they're slicing the baloney in this segment, it's, it, it's so thin, you know, starting out with the Kia Soul, which is really quite a bit smaller. But, you know, you have Sorento in there, um, you have the Seltos in there before you even get up to the, to the large three-row vehicle, the Telluride. It's, it's, I mean, they're, they have something for everybody in this segment. Um, not every brand uh, can, can play in every segment, uh, but, but Kia is there. Kia is at the table. But on a quick spin, we try to get to the essence of the automobile, and this 23 Sportage is no exception. So I must ask, Mr. Murphy, what is its raison d'etre? Why would anyone buy this thing? What's, what's its, uh, why, why does Kia make this thing? What's going on? Raison d'etre. Um, meeting the needs of families. That's, that's what it's about, meeting the needs of families. Um, it's, you know, you can, you can spend more for a larger vehicle. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're going up into the uh, Kia Telluride uh, segment at that point. But um, this, this, is, this is truly, you know, the meat of the market. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's, uh, this, you know, this is where people are, are, are finding a vehicle that meets so many of their needs. Um, if, if they don't need a three-row vehicle, this is, this is more than enough. That being said, Tom... I think this is a good place to put a pin in it today. Thank you so much for driving this thing. I know it was hard work, but I do appreciate it. Also, listeners, thank you for listening to this thing. Uh, if I could add a little bit of work to your schedule, if you could head over to the Apple Podcast Store or Spotify, wherever you listen to this bad boy and drop a five-star re- review, would really appreciate it. And I will actually check, uh, check our reviews uh, soon to see <laughs> if anyone's doing that and shout you out. I promise. And uh, I know I say this at the end of every episode, but I do mean it. Thank you so much for listening. Without your listenership, none of this could be possible. So thank you for listening.